Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Jungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm so excited to have you. I want to thank you guys because we are now officially over 2,000 downloads on this podcast. And that's all a testament to you. Thanks for following. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the love getting on social media as well, both on Facebook and Instagram. It's cool and it's super encouraging. And I can't wait to continue doing this ministry with you. Um, man, before we get started, I want to introduce. Um, this new guest, we're going to have to call him Moose for security reasons. We can't tell you his name, and you're going to understand that a little bit better once you listen to the podcast. And as you listen, you're going to hear a couple of different things. You're going to hear his very clear belief that God has been guiding him as he goes, that there's been divine providence in his life, and that everything that's happened in his life so far has brought him to this very specific point where he's a father and he's a husband and he's a warrior and he's a military man. I find both his words and his faith very encouraging, and the reality that God is guiding everything that happens in our lives is something we really need to latch onto and remember. Second, you're going to hear him use the phrase, bear every weight, and I love that. He's also going to talk about the personality of Jesus and the person of Jesus Christ, which is a really cool insight. And finally, he's going to talk about sharing his faith and um, being a person of faith in the military and his unique perspective on sharing the gospel. So, Without further ado, I introduce to you Moose. How you doing, brother? What's going on, man? All right. Uh, so just give us a little background on who you are uh, and uh, what you're doing and, and, and what life looks like for you now, brother. All right, cool. Well, so I, uh, I was born actually in Edison, New Jersey, same hospital as John Bon Jovi. My only true claim to fame is I was born in the same hospital as John Bon Jovi. There's been two great men no, born in that hospital. But, uh, <laughs> That's about it. Uh, but I was born on September 11th, and I lived in New Jersey uh, at the time of the World Trade Center attacks. Um, and that's one of like the defining moments in my life. Um, because where I was living in Edison was a mile from Staten Island. And I remember coming home from school. We had a short day because of all the chaos that was going on. And I could see the smoke rising from the island. And uh, it's one of those things where, like, everybody who has a cognitive memory, everybody whose hippocampus was developed uh, at that time in their lives, they remember where they were when it happened. I mean, it's the last thing that big was Pearl Harbor, right? So Right, yeah. Um, that was, like, for me, that's basically, like, the huge turning point in my life from, like, I'm a kid and I just goof around to I have what I feel is, like, a purpose in life. But yes, I grew up huge Yankees fan. I started playing hockey actually when I was, I think, seven. Um, and uh, the, the whole reason I started playing hockey was the Mighty Ducks, and not the not the live action movie. There's a smaller, less known uh, cartoon. It was an animated series that was done by Disney, and it was about these crime fighting ducks from another planet. 
that also played <laughs> So that's the Mighty Ducks that got me into it, because it's like, I'm, like, I loved Pirates as a kid, too, and if you look at the Mighty Ducks logo, the old 90s logo, yeah. it's like, it's a Pirates logo, man. I mean, it's a genre <laughs> duck. Yeah. So uh, I started playing hockey, and I did that till I think I was, like, 13 or 14. The way that I was trained in hockey growing up was the way the Russians were trained in hockey. Like, it was my job when I started. Uh, not necessarily when I started, so it was like, I think it started getting really intense when I was, like, eight or nine. Yeah. Um, so, like, a year or two into it, my my dad was just, like, a crappy individual, and, like, he was trying to live vicariously through, like, my hockey career. And so, uh, a lot of our family's, like, money, you know, sustenance, went to me getting private lessons from, like, NHL players and, like, all this, like, crazy gear, uh, playing on travel hockey teams that were, like, amazing, you know, traveling all over, like, in New Jersey, traveling all over, like, the tri-state area. And then in Nebraska, I remember going up to hockey tournaments in, like, Minnesota, which is, it's like, an eight-hour drive. Yeah, yeah. And that's just, like, regular for me. How I was trained with hockey, like, it obviously left a huge impact on my life because I don't even like watching hockey anymore. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't I think because of all of it, it gave me like this uh, ability to just like, I don't know, shut off like anything that's really ticking me off because like sometimes like everybody's got days where like nothing goes right. Right. Yeah. You know? And you failed some big test and it's just like really grinding you down and you feel like crap. And, uh, it drives, it drives my wife crazy because I'll just be sitting there and I'll just, you know, be super upset about something. And then I'll look at her and I'm like, all right, I'm done. Let's go do something fun, you know? And that's, that's like it. And uh, I think that was like the biggest thing I got out of hockey. Was I can just, <laughs> I just kind of shut off. Yeah, the ability to just flip that switch and be like, all right, yeah. moving on. Yeah, which is, I don't know. I feel like that's a really good thing to have. And at the same time, it's not a good thing to have. Because you can get kind of disconnected from things that are important if you let it, you know, take control. But yeah, so I uh, stopped. I stopped playing hockey and I went into speed skating. I did that for two years, and like that was that was a blast. Because you're moving so fast on the ice um, when you get the technique down for short track speed skating. Those guys move like 30 miles an hour, you know, and they're just it's tiny little track. It's like 100 meters around uh, the track. Like one one loop around is like 100 meters for speed skating. And they're going like, you know, like 30 miles an hour in the corners. Just yeah. Unbelievable amount of pressure on your legs and stuff like that. But I loved it. So then I went to high school in Wisconsin at uh, Luther Prep. That's actually where I met my wife. And um, she basically wouldn't talk to me because I'm not <laughs> really like a regular dude. You know? Well, I shouldn't say it that way. I am a regular dude. Like, I don't. I don't like to present myself as something I'm not. And so all the way through high school, like everybody thought I was just this weirdo because, you know, I'm walking around like dressed up like a greaser from the fifties. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I would just do whatever I wanted. Um, I had a mullet my sophomore year. Yeah. I went to high school in Wisconsin. <laughs> I was there, my first roommate, we like, we couldn't live together. I mean, we would, we'd try, but we couldn't. So I ended up and I roomed with a Korean exchange student who could not speak like a lick of English. It was crazy. Um, he, 
he, he was a pretty cool dude. This one day we were like walking around, uh, going to lunch or something. And these kids are staring at like, it was like a praying mantis or like some weird bug. And he just walked up, picked it up, put it in his pencil case and walked away. <laughs> as, much as, as much as I did what I wanted, my roommate was like, he was a whole different level. <laughs> he, he didn't care. You know? <laughs> Took the pressure off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> my first roommate, didn't like me freshman year he and i actually became like this like competitive friends because we were always trying to outdo one another and it would always we would never pick the same thing like he's good at running and i'm good at pull-ups so i'd be like hey i can do you know 21 pull-ups you can only do 20 like you know i got you and he'd be like well i can run i can run six miles i'm like yeah i'm not doing that (laughs) that's terrible (laughs) um uh, we ended up going to the marine corps recruiters together our senior year and this is one of those, like, times where a young man thinks that he's, like, you know, like Liam Neeson and Taken. Like, like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm going for. And me and my buddy, we went in and we're like, we're, we're either going active duty recon Marines or we're not doing, like, that's it. It's all or nothing, you know. It's <laughs> like, like the old school Marine special ops branch, right? So we went in and uh, we both ended up enlisting and neither one of us went active duty recon <laughs> we both went reserve military police which is like the farthest thing like everybody hates uh the military police right i mean it's like it's like regular cops like I don't, it, it, we support our cops and everything but i mean like you get pulled over on the side of the road for a stupid ticket for like your tail lights out or something right yeah nobody likes you know? a babysitter yeah man and that's what that's what mps are you know and like nobody likes them and then if you're a reservist in the marine corps people look at you like Dude, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> they actually make a commitment. Um, but yeah, so we both ended up uh, enlisting in the reserves. He did it so he could keep going to college. And I did it because my mom finally separated from my dad. And she was taking care of seven kids by herself. So I really did it to stay home and, uh, you know, work with the family and everything like that. Right, yeah. Like, like, if you grow up in an Irish family, you learn pretty quick. For us, it's like God, family, and then country. Uh, we got through that mess. I tried to go to college. It was terrible. I was like, this is another one of those things where, like, you know, the, this this stupid jarhead uh, Marine thinks that he knows what's going on, so he's going to go to college. Yeah, I'm going to go to college. It's going to be great. Like, they might they might ask me to instruct in the martial arts classes or whatever, you know. Like, you, you think you're on top of the world, and then you go to college. And you can't stand anybody there because, like, you look at everyone and you think you're better than them and, like, all, you know, all that crap. And, um, and then you're also, like, really immature and you don't know how to follow through on simple tasks like write a paper. I like to say that, um, that it was because of what was going on at home that I wasn't really applying myself to college. But, I mean, I, like, looking back on it, it was just a huge mistake. Not, not going to college. Going to college was a mistake. The mistake was, was uh, not applying myself okay yeah because it's it's not hard to apply yourself it really isn't yeah so i struggled through college and that's when my wife and i finally started like you know going out because i drew her a picture for christmas one time that that's what i did that's what i did while i was in class i would just sit there and draw pictures i wasn't paying attention (laughs) Uh, i used used what i like to call my free time in college in class uh, (laughs) to uh to flirt with my wife it it worked worked out great we never actually had that 
awkward moment of like, what are we, boyfriend, girlfriend? It was just kind of like, no, we're, we're dating, you know? Yeah. While I was, while I was struggling through college and now dating this beautiful woman, um, I started getting more opportunities in the Marine Corps to do some cool stuff. I went to what's called uh, Combat Lifesavers, which is, it's like first aid advanced for Marines. After that, like the next year, uh, I finally shot expert on pistol, which took me a while because I wasn't used to shooting pistols. I could shoot a rifle all day, but uh, I qualified expert on pistol, and they sent me to special reaction team operators basic course. What a special reaction team is, it's like SWAT. Uh, okay. The guys who go in in like an active shooter situation, like just like you know take down threats, and it was it was like the coolest thing I had ever done in my life, and it was at that that moment in my life I already knew that I wanted to be in the military like full time, but like when I went and did that, it was like this is a whole different level, and the level that I just got introduced to that is so far above what I was doing before, is so far below what I'm capable. of. Okay. It was like, like when you when you have a moment like that, you see, it, you're just like, I I can do way more. Like this is awesome. I know that I fit in here. Everything just clicks. Like everything makes sense to me here, uh, and I know I can do more. Yeah. Right. You know. Uh, so I did that. Came back, and after I got back, I started actually training other Marines in uh, clearing rooms in uh, close quarters battle. And then after that, I got selected again to go to uh, Marksman Observer Training, which is, uh, like, the, the SWAT snipers. You know, like, the dudes who, like, flashpoint type stuff. are sitting <laughs> up on top of the roof, and it's like, all right, I got a clean shot. Kill, uh, take him down, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I never before wanted to do, like, sniping. It's, it's the same thing I was talking about before with the first course. I mean, when you're introduced to something and you see it and everything, like, makes sense to you. Yeah. And uh, you just, like, you have this, like, uncanny natural ability at it. You want more. Our wedding was scheduled for June 18th, 2014. And I told told everybody in my command that I was like, listen, I need to know the dates for this course that I'm going to because <laughs> I'm getting married June 18th. And they're like, all right, well, we'll when we get them, we'll give them to you. I'm like... A week before we left for this, uh, a week before we left for this two-week-long training course, they said, yeah, you're getting back on midnight for like 11.30 p.m. on June 18th. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. <laughs> get married. But yeah, so I went to this training event. My wife's family was awesome about it. They moved the wedding one day. So instead of getting married on the 18th, we got married on the 19th. Um, our honeymoon was in Disney World, which was like the next week, so it was fine. I didn't have to worry about anything there. After that, um, they're telling me I'm going to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So I uh, started gearing up for that, and I asked them, like, hey, can I bring my wife? And he said, no. And I, I got to uh, spend active duty time with the special reaction team in Camp Lejeune. And that was another one of those times where it's like everything clicks. I understand everything that's going on. And it's another step up from where I was before. Right, yeah. So that was great. But that's, that's like the turning point where everything started winding down for the Marine Corps, for me. But, uh, yeah, we went and did that the, the next year. And then the year after that, like my last hurrah in the Marine Corps, like six years of service, um, was I went to 
Morocco, which is in uh, Africa. For anybody who is not, <laughs> it's Western Africa on the northern uh, border. It actually is across the Mediterranean from Spain. And um, what I did there was I trained three. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I was supposed to train three other countries <laughs> in room clearings, uh, along with so it was going to be the U.S. Uh, Spain, uh, Dutch mechanized infantry, and then the Moroccan, uh, like national army, I think they're called. But, uh, the Spanish guys who showed up were Spanish recon, which is like the same level as Marine recon kind of deal. You know, okay. Like yeah. Ops. And so when it, like, when it came around time to train those guys, they were like, you know, looking at me like I was stupid, <laughs> you know? And uh, they were asking me questions like, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Like, we can't do that in our country because that will get people killed, you know? And I'm like, hey, man, like, you guys just, just use today as a training day, and I'll watch. And if you have questions about anything, I mean, I can answer them, but, like, you're a whole different level. Right, so yeah. So you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like, this is how you're going to do it. Um, but that was, that was pretty cool, too. I started looking at other options. Mm. And uh, I actually got picked up with the Army uh, to be a uh, – infantryman which is it's awesome it's better than being a reserve military policeman in the marine corps and i've jumped out of a few planes too um which is again like didn't you, you don't really get that opportunity in the marine corps unless you're you know special <laughs> uh, and i wasn't i wasn't special enough to get that opportunity so okay um, yeah but yeah that's that's really about like you know the story uh, i've got two kids now the second one was just born in January, uh, the older is a girl and the younger is a boy. And, uh, yep, that's, that's really about it. I mean, I'm sitting here in North Carolina and it's, uh, what, like 56 degrees right now. Oh man. Warmer than, yeah. <laughs> a lot warmer. Like, uh, yesterday it was like 70 something, I think, you know, so I get a lot more time to be outside, which is fine. Cause that's my job is to be outside to do stuff outside. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's basically the really disorganized version of my life so far. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's perfect, brother. Cool. Like it's always been the Marine Corps for me. Uh, my granddad was in the Marine Corps. He fought in Korea and Vietnam. Uh, he really did not like communists. <laughs> um, and like he let them know that in uh, very very violent ways. He. Uh, when he was in, I think it's like when he was in the Korean War, he actually had, uh, let me back up here. So he, he tried to enlist in World War II and, um, in the Marine Corps, and they wouldn't take him because every time he was trying to enlist underage, they kept catching him and like, you know, go back home, kid. Like, just wait. Like, this war is going to keep going. And uh, I guess when he was at boot camp for the Marines, excuse me, uh, the war ended. We dropped the bombs on Japan. And the war ended. And uh, he was not very happy about that because he <laughs> wanted to go be a Marine. Right. You know? Right. Um, and he got hooked up with this, like, linguistic program. And so for, like, the next – it was 45. For the next, like, four years, all he did was study Korean. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and he was – his job was a radio operator. So when he went to Korea, he understood Korean, and he could communicate fluently uh, with – the guys who were fighting with, like, against the North Koreans, he could fight, uh, communicate with those Koreans. And then, like, you know, if they're interrogating anyone, they got this guy, this American, 
who can tell you, like, hey, that guy is lying, or like, you know, what he's saying doesn't right, make sense. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because um, he understands what's what's going on, like, in the language. Um, so he did that, and I think uh, after that, he kind of stayed in the Marine Corps and kept picking up languages because by the time he went to Vietnam. He was, uh, I think the first time he was a uh, master sergeant, which is uh, an E-8 in the Marine Corps. Okay. Um, so it's like the eighth the eighth level on the enlisted side. Um, and he spoke, uh, what, Korean, Chinese, Vietnamese, uh, or Tagalog, uh, whatever, like, they call it, and <laughs> Russian. So he spoke, like, all of the, all of the languages of the communists. And... Um, because of his ability to do that stuff, he actually started going on uh, like specialty missions. And uh, there was a thing going on in Vietnam called the MACV SOGS. It stands for Vietnam. And then the, what they said was SOG stood for Studies and Observations Group. Um, and it was kind of a political move because when you say that we're just going over there to study things, you can do a lot more than when you say no. SOG stands for Special Operations Group. Right. These dudes, yeah. They, they looked at it and they're like, okay, the politicians are gonna like loosen up the reins on us if they think we're just going over there to study what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he got hooked up with these dudes, which was actually, you know, like SOG actually stood for Special Operations Group, and um, he was smuggling people over the border into Cambodia, just civilians, like getting them out of the way of uh, communism. But mm -hmm. I mean. Communism ended up taking over the whole area. Um, but yeah, when you grow up hearing legends like that, and you hear about like your granddad who was a Marine, right. doing all this like crazy stuff that you hear about in like action movies, and like you're looking at this dude like he's Rambo, and you're like, I'm related <laughs> to John Rambo. You know? Yeah. Uh, like it just gets some some guys they get that like desire inside. They're like, I know because he did that because mm -hmm. he did that before me. I know that I have that in. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that like that was a huge part of it for me was like, I know I can do it because it's been done in my family before. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like growing up, I always knew I was going to be in the military uh, and I always knew it was going to be in the Marine Corps. Uh, so when I went to join the army, um, it was kind of heartbreaking because Marines think that, you know, we think we're it. <laughs> like, there's uh there's some you'll you'll hear marines talk and they'll say stuff like on the seventh day god rested and the marine corps took over you know um and like you know stuff like that like we're so proud of our heritage because yeah. marines for the longest time have been doing the most with the least and i don't i'm not saying they're better than the army because and i don't think anybody can really say that because first off it's a different mindset Marines are there to just wreck house. And right, yeah. Destroy everything. <laughs> the Army is an occupying force, right? So the Army goes in and they they, they basically uh, they set up government stuff, you know? Right. Um, so uh, it, it was kind of like heartbreaking that after spending all this time, uh, not just the six years in the Marine Corps, but like every year of my life, as far as I could remember, mm -hmm. wanting to be a Marine, I was going to have to give that up, but I mean, when God closes a door, he opens a, a better one. Yeah, um, absolutely. No matter, how, no matter what it looks like at the time or whatever, like what, whatever happens in your life and it might look like the worst thing in the world, but like, you know, God's in control. So there's nothing you can do about it, but say like, all right, uh, give me the strength to find joy in what you've given to me today. It's been a lot of fun and it's been a lot of pain.
Well, let's start with the fun. Like, what, what, what do you enjoy the most about the military? What are the best parts of the military? Oh man, so, so for me, uh, like, there's, there's a lot that goes on. First off, like, spiritually, the military is a really good place for me to be because okay. this is a place that, like, it's just, you know, uh, it's very conservative, but um, there are not a lot of like outspoken Christians. Um, and the may, the majority of the guys here tend to be like atheist or agnostic. Mm -hmm. So if you come in and you're a Christian, um, and you are like, you know, you know that like what you believe is right. Mm -hmm. People kind of look at you weird. And, uh, I kind of like that. Um, yeah. When I was, when I was like looking at being a pastor, I realized that I probably shouldn't because the reason I wanted to be a pastor was to watch people squirm when I said Jesus loves you and died for your sins. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's not really the best reason to spread the gospel. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's great for my, for my spirit to be in an environment like this where I'm kind of like a one-man show when it comes to stuff like that. And uh, along with that, there's the whole... Uh, kind of more secular side of it where I have friends in uh, the Marine Corps and now in the Army that I know would, you know, like the cliche, oh, they'd die for me. I, like, I know these guys, if I asked them to, would, uh, I, I don't know if you're going to edit this out, but I know they would kill people for me. Right, yeah. Um, which is a totally different feeling. Like, your mom, your mom and your dad, they'll die for you. You know, mm -hmm. like, they will do everything they can and they, uh, They'll put their lives on the line for you. But it's a totally different uh, friendship and connection when these when these dudes that you're hanging out with are like, yeah, man, like, if you ever needed somebody gone, yeah, I'd do that. You know? And, like, they wouldn't. I mean, we're not going to go break the law. Right. <laughs> murder people. Um, but, it, like, to know that somebody would do that, uh, it's a really good feeling, especially when you go to another country. And, like, I've never been deployed to a, uh, a combat zone. Uh, my active duty time was in Lejeune and then in Morocco, but Morocco was pretty sketchy. I mean, mm -hmm. um, there's like a one mile square in Agadir, Morocco, where white people are okay. And <laughs> the rest of the area, it's like dudes are like pointing finger guns at you and like walking around with AK-47s and stuff. And you're just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the friends you get in the military are great. Um, and as far as pain goes, it's really, um, uh, they, they just make it painful, like mentally for the most part, uh, like physical pain is like, whatever, if you can, if you can deal with getting a paper cut, you can deal with most of the physical pain that I go through on a daily basis. Okay. But, uh, the mental pain of just like, you have to go do this and you have to go do that. And it's not stuff that you'd think you'd have to do in the military. Like, yeah, you got to go sign this piece of paper. Uh, at this building, and the office is only open from uh, 9 o'clock in the morning to 9.30 in the morning. So good luck getting there when everybody else on base has to do that. You know, I mean, it's like logistics problems. That's the worst part about it. And, like, guys in the military will tell you the first lesson they learned was hurry up and wait because that's, like, it's huge. And I mean, when like I said before, when you find something that, like, just clicks in your mind and you know that you can do it, like, you can put up with anything, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
absolutely anything. You, you could uh, have to get up every day and run like five miles to get to your job. And you're going to do it if it's something you care about. That's something that like you want to do. Okay, so <laughs> I take it uh, you got you got to do a lot more running now than you did before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, we usually so we do like you know platoon physical training, uh, usually Monday through Thursday, sometimes on Friday, and it's usually like Monday, Wednesday is a run, and then Thursday and Friday is a hike. Um, hikes aren't bad. I don't mind hikes because it's kind of like you know slower paced and I don't really like moving my body fast like I'll drive fast in the car but that's different <laughs> and then the runs are just like terrible because I can't like have a problem with daydreaming uh, <laughs> meaning like I can't I can't daydream while I run I can daydream while I hike but I can't do it while I run because it's just so boring <laughs> you know? right right yeah uh, so besides running, how has the how has the military kind of shaped you? How have you evolved in your time in the military? Uh, so I think one of the things was uh, that the military has really helped me out with um, is not being afraid of sharing my faith. I mean, like, like no one should be afraid to share their faith, but everybody has that like that sickening gut feeling of like, how is this going to play out when I say to this person, no, I believe that the world was created in seven 24 hour days or six 24 hour days. And then God rested on the seven. Right. I believe that Jesus Christ is God and man and saved me from my mm -hmm. sins. You know, I started to become more comfortable saying to people like, yeah, this is what I believe. Uh, nothing is going to change it. It's gotten to the point where like, not too long ago, one of my friends, uh, he said something about how like, Hey, aren't you like, know part jewish like your people killed jesus i'm like yeah man like my ancestors killed my god and he says uh yeah jesus wasn't god and i just looked at him and i said you know what you're the one who did it i no longer believe that's it <laughs> you got me, you got me. And like, <laughs> never thought of that before <laughs> and no one's ever said anything like that i never I've never heard this argument in my life. Ah, crap! Now what am I going to do? <laughs> exactly, you know, you kind of get sarcastic with them. <laughs> like, I don't think you should get sarcastic with everybody like that, but there, there are some guys who definitely need a little bit of uh, <laughs> what, what they're trying to present to you is like, wow, you're really stupid. And then you come back, and like you might look like the biggest fool, but you're like, am I stupid, or are you stupid, man? You sound really dumb to me. Um. And it's just kind of fun to do that. I mean, like I said before, I like watching people skin crawl when I tell them, you know, like I'm Christian. Right, um, yeah. And while that might not be the best way to be a uh, pastor uh, or any kind of called worker, it's kind of fun if you're a layman and you can, you know, get away with that. Well, and it fits the yeah. situation. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, like, in every situation is different, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to uh, look at people and tell them, like, after they say all this scientific knowledge, like, you know, they've been around for millions of years, and you look at them, you're like, who cares? <laughs> you know, like, I, that has no effect on my life how long anybody thinks the world's been around. Like, you could, uh, you know, like, have a time machine and go back 10 million years and, like, whatever, um, and then come back and show me all this stuff. I'm still going to say it doesn't affect me. 
Yeah. And then uh, it's kind of funny when you see that look on their face like they feel stupid for saying, <laughs> you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's like the big thing that I got out of the military um, or the biggest thing I want to say is like it doesn't matter to me how stupid people think I look when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and it's kind of covered my entire life. Um, not caring what people think about me, you know, like in high school, I dressed up like a mm-hmm. greaser and then like, um, nowadays I just wear whatever I want. Like I'm wearing a Mickey mouse like, <laughs> dad, dad sweatshirt right now. And, uh, you know, like underneath I'm wearing, I think I'm wearing a Yankees shirt. Yeah. I'm wearing a Yankees shirt. Um, but I've got like, you know, ducktails and like, uh, yeah, like just all these ridiculous shirts, man. And like, you can't really wear them unless you're a dad and I (laughs) got to the status of dad. Like not only do I not care what people think about me, what I believe spiritually, but I could really give a crap what they think about me based on how I dressed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Shorts and Hawaiian shirts. It is (laughs) my mustache out and look like Magnum PI. Yeah, dude. Where's the mustache, man? (laughs) It was so good. shave it before our kid was born and uh i did and immediately after i shaved it she looked at me and she's like you look so weird <laughs> so i'll probably uh not anytime in the near future but i will probably bring that thing back i probably uh won't shave it ever again <laughs> that thing is awesome that thing is awesome <laughs> i think the best secular uh image we can find of a warrior is honestly the samurai i used to read a lot of like uh warrior culture philosophy mm-hmm. and stuff and the, the best thing that i found is the samurai and their big thing was uh bear every weight meaning like if somebody and like obviously they kind of went on a power trip in feudal japan they just started like killing people whatever <laughs> uh, which is why the news just came around like whatever um but uh, <laughs> big thing was bear every weight and that means like not like yeah i can squat 500 pounds dude for reps uh what it means is like take everything from anybody you know you don't just lash out for no reason and so um like i i try to put that philosophy along with uh like what the bible teaches and my dog is angry at this cardinal I, I don't want to say like balancing these two aspects because I mean, they really are like, uh, connected. And, uh, I, I don't think balancing is the right word. I think it's like, they're almost woven together. Yeah, exactly. And you have to, you have to kind of learn. And I don't want to say you have to know how to do this, but you have to learn when to use either side of this coin, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like you have to know which guys you're very sarcastic with about your faith. Like, oh yeah, dude, you're the first atheist to tell me that, um, and now my whole life is just in shambles. And you know, and then you have to know which guys to look at and say, like, well, like, here's why I believe this. Like, you know, infant baptism is a thing because of this and this and this. You know, like you have to right know, know your audience. Who, yeah, exactly. And it's really challenging. Um, I don't get how pastors do it. <laughs> like I was a bartender for years and I could talk to anybody, you know? mm-hmm. um, but it's like, sometimes it's really hard to get a read off of people.
Very true, very true. <laughs> All right. If you want to hear more from Moose, make sure you tune in to a couple next episodes of the Gird Up Podcast. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can find more episodes like this on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, and Pippa. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Gird Up. You can find us on Facebook at The Gird Up Podcast. Or if you want to email me, you can email me at Coach Ungemach, that's U-N-G-E-M-A-C-H, at gmail.com. Please leave a five-star rating and review on this podcast on iTunes. The more four- and five-star ratings we receive, the more people we will reach on iTunes because iTunes will boost us more. Thank you to Seth Palmeyer for our podcast art. And thank you to you, the listener, because without you, this podcast would not be possible. So with that, I encourage you to go out, man up, gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Have a good one.